Hello and welcome to the Matthew Rocky Show for this week of March 14th. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast this week, a very newsy edition with lots of stories to cover. We're going to get started with some top headlines from the war in Ukraine, beginning with what came out yesterday. Survivors began to emerge Thursday as authorities worked to rescue hundreds of civilians trapped in the basement of a theater blasted by Russian airstrikes in the besieged city of Mariupol. Well, ferocious Russian bombardment killed dozens in a northern city over the past day, the local governor said. The strikes the previous evening had left a large section of the grand three-story theater building in the center of Mariupol collapsed in a smoking ruin. According to photos released by the city council, inside hundreds of men, women, and children, up to a thousand according to some officials, had taken Sautler in the basement seeking safety amid Russia's strangulating three-week siege on the strategic southern port city. Rescuers worked clearing rubble that had blocked the entrance to the basement, despite new strikes reported elsewhere in the city Thursday. Miraculously, the shelter stood firm, officials said, quote, The building withstood the impact of a high-powered air bomb and protected the lives of people hiding in the bomb shelter, unquote. This all comes a day after Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky addressed members of Congress in the United States by video on Wednesday, asking again for the United States and NATO to enforce a no-fly zone over his country and provide fighter planes weeks after Russia started its invasion. Zelensky said, quote, Russia has attacked not just us, not just our land, not just our cities. It went on a brutal offensive against our values, basic human values. It threw tanks and planes against our freedom, against our right to live freely in our own country, choosing our own future, against our desire for happiness, against our national dream, just like the same dreams you have, you Americans, just like anyone else in the United States, unquote. In asking for S-300 serviced-to-air missile systems and Polish MIG-29 fighter jets, Zelensky invoked the September 11, 2001 attacks on the United States and the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor that thrust the United States into World War II. Pearl Harbor, he said, remember September 11. Our country experiences the same every day. A no-flyover zone over Ukraine has been described by top White House officials in NATO as a non-starter. It came out on Wednesday following Zelensky's address to Congress that the White House still stands firm in its opposition to the no-fly zone in Ukraine. The White House had previously shut down requests from Zelensky to help implement a no-fly zone over Ukraine, saying the move would amount to an escalatory action that could lead the United States into an expanded war with Russia. As sanctions cripple Russia's aviation industry, President Vladimir Putin signed a law this past Monday allowing foreign-owned aircraft to be re-registered as Russian for domestic use, according to state-run news agency TASS. Russian Airlines would have the ability to seize and operate aircraft leased by companies that are no longer operating in the country over sanctions imposed due to the Ukraine invasion, TASS reported. Russian Airlines have almost 780 leased jets, with 515 of them coming from abroad. Coming back to the homeland in America, a majority of Americans back resuming work on a major pipeline that President Joe Biden blocked soon after taking office, according to a new poll. Some 71% of Americans 
uh, say that they very much favor or somewhat favor Biden signing an executive order to restart the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline. The poll was conducted by Maru Public Opinion for a Canadian news outlet. If built, the pipeline would transport oil from Canada through the middle portion of the United States down to Texas. Biden, on his first day in office, signed an order revoking authorization for the pipeline. President Donald Trump had allowed the project to move forward after President Barack Obama had blocked it during his time in office. Out to the Pacific, a powerful 7.4 magnitude earthquake struck off the coast of Fukushima in northern Japan on Wednesday night, smashing furniture, knocking out power, and killing four people. A small tsunami reached shore, but the low-risk advisory was lifted by Thursday morning. The region is part of northern Japan that was devastated by a deadly 9.0 earthquake and tsunami 11 years ago that caused nuclear reactor meltdowns, spewing massive radiation that still makes some parts uninhabitable. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida told a parliamentary session Thursday morning that four people died during the quake and the cause of their deaths are still being investigated, while 97 others were injured. A man in his 60s in Soma City died after falling from the second floor of his house while trying to evacuate, and a man in his 70s panicked and suffered from a heart attack, Kyoto News earlier reported. The Japan Meteorological Agency earlier Thursday lifted its low-risk advisory for a tsunami along the coast of Fukushima. Authorities in Houston, Texas are investigating after thieves allegedly stole some 1,000 gallons of diesel from an area gas station, according to the station owner. Jerry Thale, whose father owns the Fuqua Express gas station, told CNN this week that thieves stole from the gas station for three days, gating away with between five dollars to $6,000 of diesel amid soaring gas prices nationwide. Thale said the thieves came back a fourth day, but he stopped them. He says, quote, I didn't want to just let them hit us again and lose another $1,200, $1,300. So I decided I would do something about it, and I ran out there and chased them away, unquote. Thale told Clip2 Houston, adding that he discovered the alleged scheme by reviewing surveillance footage. This past week, also in a unanimous vote, the Senate passed a bill that would make daylight savings time permanent, potentially putting an end to twice-annual time changes. The measure, called the Sunshine Protection Act, will now go to the House, and if passed, will head to President Joe Biden's desk for approval. Supporters of daylight savings time credit the time change with helping to reduce crime as it increases daylight hours, making it harder for criminals to go undetected. It has also been credited with helping to reduce traffic accidents as drivers are able to see better. The system began in the United States in 1918, originally put in place by Germany to conserve fuel during World War I. The time change was quickly adopted by the rest of Europe before being picked up by the United States in the Standard Time Act. Since then, Americans have changed their clocks twice every year under the assumption that it helps to conserve energy. Supporters of the Sunshine Protection Act say that it would help Americans to avoid the psychological consequences of daylight savings time, which has been shown by some research to exasperate seasonal depression. On the other hand, some are warning of the late sunrise times in winter, including cities like Indianapolis, which would experience sunrise times in the peak of winter between 8.45 and 9.06 a.m. 
The Federal Emergency Management Agency said on Tuesday that its funeral assistance program has reimbursed more than $2 billion in funeral costs for more than 300,000 families of COVID-19 victims. The COVID-19 funeral assistance program provides up to $9,000 per funeral and covers COVID-19-related deaths since January 20th of 2020. The average amount awarded per death is $6,500, according to FEMA. FEMA's COVID-19 Funeral Assistance Program has helped provide over 300,000 people with critical financial relief during a time of such unexpected, unimaginable, and widespread loss, FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell said in a statement. The agency announced the assistance program in March of last year, saying that it had $2 billion for reimbursements from the coronavirus and the Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act. The U.S. Senate also voted to pass a resolution this week to repeal a mask mandate on airplanes and other public transport on Tuesday, drawing a quick veto threat from the White House. The vote to overturn the public health order was 57 to 40. The order has been in place since President Joe Biden took office in January 2021. Former President Donald Trump had rejected the mandate. The resolution to repeal the order was introduced by Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. He said the vote late Tuesday, quote, sent a message to unelected government bureaucrats to stop the anti-science nanny state requirement of travel mask mandates, unquote. Eight Democrats joined the Republicans to pass the resolution. One Republican, Senator Mitt Romney of Utah, voted against the measure. The White House issued a statement of administrative policy saying Biden would veto the measure if Congress passes the resolution. The statement said that the mask mandate, quote, has been a critical public health tool, unquote, to prevent the spread of COVID-19, something of which there is no evidence for. A Michigan County elections official and former township clerk was charged with ballot tampering related to August 2020 primary elections, according to State Attorney General Dana Nessel. Kathy Funk, who was running in 2020 as a Democrat for re-election as Flint township clerk, also was charged with misconduct in office. The charges, which are both felonies, carry a maximum sentence of five years in prison upon conviction. Nassau alleged that Funk purposely broke a seal on a container of ballots so that the votes couldn't be totaled during an anticipated recount. She narrowly won re-election in the unofficial count, the Attorney General's office said. Nine people were killed and two were injured, including six University of the Southwest students and the golf coach in a crash in Texas involving the team's van, the Texas Department of Public Safety said on Wednesday. Two other students were in critical condition and airlifted to a hospital in Lubbock, Texas. The Ford Transit van carrying the men's and women's golf teams collided with a Dodge 2500 truck. Public safety officials said the truck was traveling southbound when it moved into the oncoming lane for an unknown reason and collided head-on with the van. The driver and passenger of the truck also died. The coach who died was identified as 26-year-old Tyler James by the university. The Texas Department of Public Health released the names and ages of the other victims on Wednesday, ranging in age from 18 to 22. Both United States and international students were included among the casualties.
Police in Florida arrested over 100 people, including four Disney employees, as part of a nearly week-long human trafficking sting operation. The Polk County Sheriff's Office arrested 108 suspects as part of its Operation March Sadness 2. Undercover human trafficking investigation began on March 8th. Detectives with the department said they identified prostitutes who posted online advertisements as well as those who responded to the ads. Authorities said they were intending to identify and free any victims who were being forced into prostitution and anyone participating in the trafficking of those victims. The oldest person authorities arrested was a 67-year-old. The youngest was a 17-year-old who is not identified for being a minor. Both were arrested for soliciting for a prostitute. Multiple departments responded to a massive fire at a Walmart distribution center on Wednesday in Indiana. Plainfield Fire Chief Brent Anderson told reporters that all people were accounted for, including Walmart staff and emergency responders. Massive plumes of smoke coming from the warehouse could be seen for miles, and WISH meteorologist Marcus Bailey noted that the fire was so large it could be seen on radar. As many as 200 firefighters from across the region came to assist. Officials said the operation would continue for around 24 hours, and people in the area were told to stay indoors and close windows and doors as well. Anderson said that after attempting to put out the fire, it grew so large that firefighters decided to take a defensive stance. He said he was confident it would be contained, but discouraged people from coming to the area. Around 1,000 people were in the building, when the fire started, and there's no indication as to what caused it. After several new outbreaks in Missouri and Iowa, along with other states, more than 2 million birds, mainly chickens and turkeys, have died between February and March because of the highly pathogenic avian influenza, federal officials said in a recent update. In Newcastle, Delaware, between late February and early March, roughly 1.4 million poultry died after becoming infected with the bird flu, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture in a March 10th update on its website. Significant outbreaks and deaths were also confirmed in Kentucky, Missouri, Indiana, South Dakota, Iowa, New York, Maine, Connecticut, Michigan, and Virginia. New hires at police departments rebounded, retirement slowed, and resignations soared in 2021, according to a new national survey by Police Executive Research Form. The survey found that the number of new hires jumped 21% among responding agencies when compared with 2020, though still falling short of the 2019 level. The police workforce experienced a dramatic drop in 2021 due to the defund the police movement, Black Lives Matter, budget cuts, and the pandemic. Also in 2021, the number of retirements slowed by 6% compared with the year before, though still higher than in 2019. Meanwhile, resignations continued to soar by 40% compared with 2020, the survey found. Amazon is temporarily relocating employees from its downtown Seattle office due to an increase in violent crimes in the area, the company said on March 11th. The tech giant's office is located at 300 Pine Street, about a half mile from its main headquarters on 7th Avenue in Seattle, and roughly 1,800 Amazon employees work there. An Amazon spokesman said, quote, Given recent incidents near 3rd and Pine, we're providing employees currently at that location with alternative office space elsewhere. We are hopeful that conditions will improve 
and that we will be able to bring employees back to this location when it is safe to do so, unquote. It is unclear how many of the 1,800 are being relocated, given that many have been working remotely from home due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine on Monday signed into law a constitutional carry bill that allows permitless concealed carry in the state. The bill, Senate Bill 215, dubbed Constitutional Carry by its backers, was introduced by State Senator Terry Johnson, a Republican. It will allow anyone age 21 and older who is able to prove they can legally possess a weapon to carry a concealed gun without a permit or training. The measure also removes a requirement for gun owners to notify police when stopped that they are armed, although they must inform police officers if asked. The measure was passed by Ohio's legislator earlier this month, and a spokesperson for the Republican governor had hinted that DeWine would likely sign it into law. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves on March 14th signed into law Senate Bill 2113, which prohibits critical race theory ideologies in publicly funded schools. The bill specifically states that no publicly funded school, quote, shall direct or compel students to affirm that any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, or national origin is inherently superior or that individuals should be adversely treated based upon such characteristics, unquote. Reeves said in a video statement, quote, Now I can almost guarantee what will happen next. First, critical race theory proponents will claim that this law prevents the teaching of history, unquote. There will be the claim that because of the bill, students won't learn about black historical events such as slavery or the civil rights movement. However, Reeves says, quote, But we know the truth. Contrary to what some critics claim, this bill in no way, in no shape, and in no form prohibits the teaching of history. Any claim that this bill will somehow stop Mississippi kids from learning about American history is just flat out wrong, unquote. Reeves said all elements of history, both good and bad, should be taught in schools. The radical left and the media have spread misinformation about CRT, Reeves said. Turning up to South Dakota now, a couple of stories from there and Governor Kristi Noem. Uh, first of all, the National Park Service has denied her request for fireworks at Mount Rushmore to mark the 4th of July, citing the risk of sparking wildfires. It marks the second consecutive year that the Republican governor has been turned down by the agency for a fireworks event at the National Memorial. The U.S. Department of Interior, Mount Rushmore National Memorial Superintendent Michelle Wheatley, in a letter dated on Monday, said that a fireworks celebration at Mount Rushmore would not be, quote, safe and responsible, unquote. In the letter to the South Dakota Department of Tourism, Wheatley noted the March 2021 wildfire that closed the memorial for three days. Also from the desk of Governor Kristi Noem, uh, she has signed into legislation a law that bans government entities from accepting outside funding to run elections. Uh, Kristi Noem said the bill was necessary because of how Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife donated some $350 million ahead of the 2020 elections to various organizations which funneled the money to state and local officials to run the elections in certain ways. Wisconsin Special Counsel Michael Gableman asserted in a recent report that unfolded in his state amounting to, quote, election bribery, unquote, because cities that accepted the grants were forced to abide by conditions set by the grantee, an organization for Zuckerberg's money called the Center for Tech 
and civic life. South Dakota Senate Bill 122 takes aim at such outside spending, mandating all costs relating to an election be paid by the county through appropriated funds that come only from the government except for gifts from a, quote, nominal and intrinsic value, unquote. Turning to sports, just two notes to mention. First of all, Tom Brady's retirement lasted 40 days. Brady announced Sunday he's returning to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for his 23rd NFL season. The seven-time Super Bowl champion announced his decision on Twitter and Instagram, saying he has, quote, unfinished business, unquote. The news stole the spotlight from the NCAA selection Sunday. Brady led the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl title following the 2020 season and an NFC South championship last season. He teamed to win six Super Bowls with coach Bill Belichick as a member of the New England Patriots, where he spent his first 20 seasons. And Major League Baseball reached a collective bargaining agreement last week. And they have scheduled opening day for April 7th. They've also added 30 additional double headers to make up some of the 91 games that had to be canceled uh, due to the lockout. MLB released a revised schedule on Wednesday with the first matchup of the year featuring rivals the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox on April 7th at 1.05 p.m., the first time they will meet to open a regular season since 2005. Into our final section of the Matthew Rocky Show for this week of March 14th. And we're going to look at first some notes from history from this last week. Going back to Monday, it was in 1794 that Eli Whitney received a patent for his cotton gin, an invention that revolutionized America's cotton industry. And in 1879, on March 14th, physicist Albert Einstein was born in Germany. Going back way, way back, 44 BC, Roman dictator Julius Caesar was assassinated by a group of nobles that included Brutus and Cassius. That back uh, 44 BC, March 15th, 1920, Maine became the 23rd state in the United States. It was on March 16th, would have been Wednesday, back in 1802, though, President Thomas Jefferson signed a measure authorizing the establishment of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, and in 1945, during World War II, American forces declared they had secured Iwo Jima, although pockets of Japanese resistance remained on the island. On St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, which would have been Thursday yesterday, back in 1762, New York held its first St. Patrick's Day parade. 1762. Wow, that's incredible. And then 1776, the Revolutionary War siege of Boston ended as British forces evacuated the city. From today, one note to mention, in 1766, Britain repealed the Stamp Act of 1765. Well, as mentioned, Maine became the 23rd state, uh, the anniversary of that earlier this week. Here's a story out of Maine uh, that could have been much worse, but thankfully uh, was helped by the quick thinking of some students. 
A group of Maine middle and high school students teamed up to make the best out of a desperately bad situation when their bus driver had a fatal medical issue on Monday morning. Some students stepped up, taking the wheel and steered the bus to safety. Another classmate tried to administer first aid to the stricken driver. The bus was carrying 14 students to school when the driver collapsed at the wheel. The students managed to steer the bus off the road and apply the brakes. The bus came to a rest on an embankment, and the students called 911 and flagged down traffic. No students were injured, and another bus driver was able to come and take the students the rest of the way to class. Down to New Zealand, it looked like a potato, it grew like a potato, it tasted like a potato, and it was dug out of the ground like a potato, but it wasn't a potato, and that has cost a New Zealand couple a shot at the Guinness World Record. Colin Craig Brown says his hoe struck the growth last August while gardening with his wife. They said it looked and tasted like a potato, so they sent a sample to Guinness for certification. But after sending photos and paperwork and having the growth genetically tested, it turns out it wasn't a potato after all. Instead, Guinness has determined that it is a gourd. And that means the couple's dream of a record-setting potato has ended up fried, baked, or mashed, all depending on what metaphor you prefer to use. A Czech zoo has welcomed a new member of a critically endangered species, and expressed support for Ukraine in its war for survival against Russia. An eastern black rhino was born at the zoo on March 4th, and the zoo director has named it Kiev in honor of the Ukrainian capital as a form of expression to Ukrainian heroes. A fully loaded cargo ship is still stuck in the Chesapeake Bay, the Coast Guard said, quote, on Sunday, March 13, at approximately 9 p.m., we received a call from the vessel, the Ever Forward, stating that they had run aground. We do not know the reasonings as to how it happened. However, once the vessel is refloated, we are going to do an investigation to figure out possible causes, unquote. The vessel owned by Evergreen Marine Corps is currently in water, just 24 feet deep. It was leaving Baltimore, Maryland and headed to Norfolk, Virginia. The vessel is carrying general dry cargo, and although the Coast Guard does not know exactly what is in its containers, it was able to confirm the cargo is not made up of hazardous materials. The plan to move the ship has not yet been defined. Well, that's uh, an interesting uh, thing. Speaking of things being stuck or upsetting, uh, someone recently ripped the fifth month out of my calendars, and now I'm completely dismayed. I really don't know what to do about it, uh, but also reminds me of something else. What do you call someone who steals noodles from the rich and gives them to the poor? How about ramen hood? Moving right along, Labrador retrievers are still tugging hardest at the U.S. dog lover's heartstrings, but poodles just strutted back into the American kennels club top five most popular dog breeds for the first time in nearly a quarter of a century. The club's annual popularity rankings came out Tuesday, drawing from more than 800,000 purebred puppies and older pooches that joined the nation's oldest canine registry last year. With 197 recognized breeds, the list ranges with familiar faces such as the Lab that ranks at number one for an unprecedented 31 straight years to the newly added Buer Terrier, which made a strong debut at number 82. 
Well, a 97-year-old woman has completed her bucket list of visiting all 50 states. Well, the Ocean State is a popular place for people to visit, particularly in the summer months, Helen Rains and her friend Jan Ross recently made the trip from South Carolina to Rhode Island. Rains said, quote, I needed Rhode Island. That was my last state I hadn't been in, unquote. Ross recently learned her longtime friend had been to all of the other 49 states and as a Christmas present, determined to get her to Providence. Rains has also traveled outside of the country, but she said there's no place like home despite all of her travels. She said she recommends people see all of the United States before traveling to Europe. That's an interesting story. Uh, I would definitely find it extremely interesting to have the chance to travel to all 50 states. And I've made almost half of the United States, or maybe right around half, uh, but still plenty of great locations I want to check off on my list um, as time goes on. Well, here's one last story for you. This one is coming out of New Hampshire, and we are glad that New Hampshire is still part of the United States, although it would have been interesting had things turned out differently. Uh, The fact is, is that some were in doubt last week as to whether New Hampshire really would be part of the United States when the State House of Representatives voted on a proposal for New Hampshire to secede from the Union. The proposal, if passed, would have seen the state constitution amended to say that New Hampshire quote, peaceably declares independence, unquote, from the U.S. and becomes a sovereign nation. There were 13 lawmakers who did support the measure, although it did fail. Well, a millionaire has just offered me a million bucks to permanently glue my mouth shut. I honestly cannot tell you how happy I am. With that, we'll send you out. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Matthew Rocky Show. Matthew Rocky Show.